Interesting. Your journey began on Craigslist. How did you get started? Um, started off when I was 15, and uh, I traded the phone for a iPod that I I got the phone for free from my buddies. Traded the iPod for a series of dirt bikes, and then you traded for a MacBook Pro, right? Yes, I traded for a MacBook Pro. Okay, and then you traded for a 1987 Toyota 4Runner. Yes. So then you traded for a souped-up golf cart, right? Yes. All right, then you took that, and you traded for a 1975 Ford Bronco. Uh, yeah. And then you traded that for the Porsche. Yeah. You're getting an awful lot of stuff, and you keep trading up. What a great and terrific story it is. morning. It's good to see you guys. My name's Clark Jeanette, and I help lead our Young Adults Ministry New Perspective here at Grace Church. Uh, it's such an honor and a privilege to be here with you guys. Hope you're having a good weekend so far. If you or somebody that you brought with you is new for the first time today, thank you so much for being here. It's an honor and a privilege to have you here. We've been going through a series called Trade Up, exchanging our dreams for bigger things here at Medina East. And here we go through series. We usually pick a topic. We talk about it for a few weeks until we run out of stuff to say about it. And we move on to something different. And so in uh, week one, we basically said we thought it would be very culturally relevant for us to talk about our dreams, for us to talk about our aspirations, our end goals in life, what is our objectives. And we kind of asked this question, like, what is the one thing in life that you want to give yourself to? What is your dream? What is the cause that you have in life? Because all of us, my guess is the one common denominator that most of us have, regardless of whether we call ourselves Christ followers, regardless of whether we're investigating God and spiritual things, all of us, the one common denominator that most of us have is we all want to have a dream. We all want to give ourselves completely and utterly to something. And so that's kind of, we kind of created common ground a little bit and gave an introduction. And so the premise, we kind of got a little bit more specific with it. We asked you guys this question. We said, what is the one thing in your life that if you had it, not only would life be worth it, but you would be worth it. We said, what is the one thing in your life that if you had this one thing, you'd think to yourself, not only is life worth it, but I'm worth it. And then I said, what if I told you that that one thing was just a good thing, but it wasn't your everything? That's what Trade Up is all about. And so in week one, we said we want to give you three opportunities to trade up. In week one, we talked about trading up short-term loss for long-term gain, and we kind of, the Bible gave us a window into the story of the Apostle Paul, and we read out Philippians 3 together. Last week, we continued the conversation, and we read in uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 19, and uh, we talked about trading up human striving for the healing Savior, and today, we want to conclude this conversation uh, together and looking at another opportunity to trade up. And we want to talk about uh, trading up treasures on earth for riches in heaven. Trading up treasures on earth for riches in heaven. So if you got your Bibles, go with me to Matthew chapter 13 on page 685. Matthew 13 on page 685. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, please go ahead, uh, take one of ours. We'll make it a gift from us to you. And that's just our way of saying uh, thanks for being here. Happy Thanksgiving, I guess. Uh, Happy early Black Friday. So go ahead and just write your name on the inside of that, and uh, you can have that. And if you're a digital person, you want to use your iPad or your tablet or digital device, you can go to the App Store and uh, type in Grace Ohio, and you can get our Grace Church app, and you'll be able to get to the scripture that we're going to be in today. And you'll also have an opportunity to take notes as well. So Matthew 13, that's where we're going to be going uh, for our conversation here today. 
And uh, as you guys are flipping there, uh, let me just pray for us. Let me ask God to kind of lead us and guide us as we conclude our conversation of trade up here today. So let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you so much uh, for every person in this room here today. God, thank you that they gave their Sunday morning uh, to come and investigate the will that you have for our lives. Uh, God, thank you that our lives are not random. Thank you that you have strategically and sovereignly uh, placed us um, where we're at for a reason, God, with the spouse that we're with, with the marriage that we're in, with the family that we're in, at the college university that we attend. Um, God, thank you that you have given us a cause, you've given us a purpose, and you've given us meaning in life. God, I ask that you would lead us and guide us in this conversation of trading up our dreams for bigger things. And I ask this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I don't know if you guys have caught on to this or not, but we live in a world that is completely wedded to assessing the value of things on the basis of externals and on the basis of superficials. What am I talking about? Well, I lived, um, I lived, I worked, that's what I meant to say. I worked in music retail for about six years um, in Fairlawn. I worked at Guitar Center. And one of the things that I learned pretty quickly is that it's wrong to look at people to, to assess value on the basis of externals and superficials. And I learned this pretty quickly because we had really expensive guitars and instruments that hung up on the wall. And I always thought to myself, if somebody was going to come in and buy a $5,000 guitar, this is probably going to be somebody of intellect. This is probably going to be somebody that's eloquent, who has the right connections. This is going to be somebody who's wearing a suit, I mean, obviously. And I learned uh, pretty quickly that that was a false assumption, that people of all walks of life would come into Guitar Center and they, people would drop buco bucks on music equipment all the time. So that was a really, that was a false assumption. The best example that I can think of, of looking at things, assessing things on the basis of externals, on the basis of superficials, is probably the life and the story of Susan Boyle. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with Susan Boyle, but uh, my guess is you might be vaguely familiar with her. She has an amazing story. This was a person who basically began their musical career overnight as they walked onto the stage in the set of Britain's Got Talent. I'll give you kind of the Cliff Notes version on Susan Boyle. Susan Boyle grew up um, during the time of her birth. She was deprived of oxygen to her brain, and it caused learning disabilities. As Susan Boyle grew up as a young girl, she was picked on. She was made fun of. Uh, her classmates burnt her with cigarettes. They nicknamed her Simple Susie. She wasn't that bright academically. She kind of, um, as a coping mechanism, she was able to kind of cope with her pain uh, with music. And she got, she got involved with the, with the high school production with music. And as time progressed, at the age of uh, 48 years old, she walked onto the television uh, set of Britain's Got Talent. And uh, during her three and a half minutes of her singing, the judges as well as the audience all gave her a standing ovation. The judges, they said this. They said, how arrogant of us to think that she was going to be rubbish. There was not a dry eye in that whole auditorium. Everybody was in tears. And why share that with you? Well, because we tend to look at things, we tend to assess value on the basis of externals and on the basis of superficials. And the reason why I share that with you is because of the gospel, the message of the gospel of Jesus, the message of the God's kingdom is a lot like Susan Boyle. Because at face value, 
we're not able to see until we look beneath the surface. We don't see that there's something beautiful. So that's my hope for you today. I want to share a passage with you that's going to reveal that. And so we're going to be going to Matthew chapter 13, uh, page 685. And uh, before we get started, let me just kind of give us um, a little bit of context to where we're going today. When you get to Matthew chapter 13, Jesus starts teaching in parables. Parables are basically short illustrations or stories to illustrate a truth. And at the center of Jesus' teaching is all about the kingdom of God. But what is this kingdom that Jesus is talking about? Is it, does this have ties to political resistance? Is this, or is this a kingdom that has spiritual, is, is only a spiritual reality? We're going to come to find that the kingdom of God is not something that we can just assess on, on, on face value. We can't just simply assess this on the basis of externals and on the basis of superficials. One thing that it, that's really important for us to note today for our conversation in terms of context is something that Jesus says in verse 35. Jesus says this, So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Now, notice that word hidden. That's going to be a really, really important word for our conversation today. So if you're a person that likes to write in your Bible, I encourage you to, to underline or circle that word hidden. Basically, we're going to come to find that the kingdom of God, once again, is not something that we can assess from a surface level. So break in with me at verse 44, Matthew chapter 13. Jesus says this. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything that he had, and he bought it. Now, what we see here, right off the bat, we see three verses, two parables, with a whole lot of meaning. Three verses, two, or two parables with a whole lot of meaning. Right off the bat, we notice a couple things. We notice that there's, there's two men here. One man is kind of a wealthy man. He's a merchant, and he's deliberately searching for a fine pearl. And the other man we see, he's, he's not a wealthy man. He's just kind of a common man. He's working in a field, and he doesn't, he's not deliberately searching for a pearl, but the, it's something that he uh, happens to stumble across by chance. He finds treasure buried in a field. But one thing that's important for us to realize is that both of these guys had the same exact reaction when they found the treasure. Both of their lives were completely and utterly changed. And see, that's how spiritual treasure works. That's how the kingdom of God works. It's not just going to improve our lives. It's going to completely and utterly transform our lives. We could say the same thing about the kingdom of God and the gospel and really just the Bible itself. The Bible is not just a self-help book. It's not chicken soup for the soul. It's not how to win friends and influence people. It's not just going to improve our lives. It's going to completely transform our lives. So that's the first thing that we have to notice is that spiritual treasure isn't just going to improve our lives. It's going to completely transform our lives. And, and another observation, you might be thinking to yourself, well, that seems to be pretty unlikely that somebody would find treasure buried in a field. I mean, that doesn't really happen a whole lot, right? Well, back in ancient times, this happened quite a bit. Because they didn't have banks during this time. They didn't have First Merit or U.S. Bank. It just wasn't a thing back then. I don't know if you knew that. But um, because of that, they had bankers, but they didn't have banks. And so during like a time of war or like during a time of raid or battles, 
people more often than not would go into a field and they would bury their treasure there. And uh, they would just hope to God that they survived that raid or that battle. And uh, more often than not, they didn't. And so it was a pretty normal thing for people to just find buried treasure in a field. It would be pretty awesome if you really think about it. But because of that, um, they had this Jewish law during this time that said, basically, finders keepers. If you find treasure buried in a field, then that's yours. But because they were, during this time they were under Roman occupation, the laws as to what you could keep and what you couldn't was a little bit ambiguous. So it made perfect sense that during this time, this guy would think to himself, well, if I, if I just go into town and, I buy, and if I buy the field, then I own the treasure that's buried in it too. And so I'm not going to be challenged by my claim. And so I just imagine this guy goes into town. And I don't, I don't know about you guys, but did anybody else besides me grow up in a small town? Anybody else by show of hands? Guys, it's kind of the best of times and the worst of times. Am I right? Because everybody knows everything about you when you grow up in a small town. So I just imagine this guy going into town to buy this treasure. And he goes into town and, and the talk is all over town. And I just imagine just for the sake of, of illustration, let's just call him Old Joe. So Old Joe goes into town. And the talk of the town is like, man, did you hear old Joe? Man, he bought that lot on the edge of town. What lot on the edge of town? Are you talking about that lot that I used to have a garden at? That lot? Yep, that's the lot. Man, I used, I used to have a garden there. And, dude, I got to tell you, the soil is terrible. There's so many rocks. There's so many stones. That is the worst piece of land I've ever even been on. Yeah, man, I think, I think old Joe, I think he's off his medication. I think he's gone crazy. And so basically... Old Joe, I just imagine him, he's just smiling and just laughing because he knows something that the rest of the world doesn't. And he knows that beneath that soil, that beneath that ordinary field, lies an extraordinary treasure. And here's the point I'm trying to make. Again, we live in a world that is completely wedded to assessing things on the basis of externals and on the basis of superficials. And God, Jesus Christ, he completely and utterly shatters the world's superficial standards. He says, people who you consider losers, I use them to do awesome stuff for the kingdom of God. It's just like Susan Boyle. It's the same thing. There's something beautiful beneath the surface. But if we don't realize that beneath that ordinary field lies an extraordinary treasure, then we just totally relinquish. We forfeit the treasure. I love the way that the Apostle Paul puts it in his letter to the Corinthian church. This is how Paul says it. I love this. He says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify, to abolish the things that are. So what's the apostle Paul saying? He's validating everything that we just said, that, that the people by the world standards on the, on the basis of externals and on the basis of superficials, we would look at them by worldly standards and say that person's a loser. And God's like, no, 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 no. I completely and utterly shatter that paradigm of thinking. And I use people like that to do awesome things for the kingdom of God. So you have to realize 
that beneath the soil, that beneath the ordinary field lies an extraordinary treasure. And we can't miss that. So if you came in here today and you're somebody who's kind of investigating Jesus, you're somebody who you're, you're just a little, you're a little bit indifferent or apathetic towards the story of, of uh, the gospel. Maybe you think to yourself, I've heard that before. Uh, Jesus lived a life that I couldn't live. He died a death that I couldn't die. He, he rose from the grave, turning tragedy into triumph on the cross, seated to the right hand of God. And if I believe in what he did, then I can have eternal life through that. But, you know, I don't, I'm, just, I'm just ready to go on to deeper stuff, you know. I'm ready to, I'm, there's, surely there's got to be a doctrine that I missed. There's got to be a prayer that I haven't prayed yet. I'm, I'm ready to move on to the deeper, more spiritual things. How do we really experience life change? How do we really change the world? Well, if that's you, then you've completely walked past the field. You've completely walked over the lot. And, and you fail to see that, that beneath the soil, that beneath this ordinary field, lies an extraordinary treasure. And I just want to encourage you, and I just want to challenge you to not make the same mistake that I made for the longest time. And, and, and I encourage you to, to look past the simplicity and the ordinariness of the gospel. It's a very simple message. Radical sin, radical grace, radical love. Scholars, intellectuals, they scoff at the message of the gospel. The Apostle Paul, he was an intellectual, and he said, I'm not ashamed of this message because it's the power of salvation. He was a guy who was able to see beneath the ordinary field that there was an extraordinary treasure. And so I just encourage you, think about it, think about it this way. If you think to yourself, Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, rose from the grave. If, do you think to yourself that that is the answer to all my problems? Because if you don't, then you haven't dug in. And you completely walked past the field. You completely walked over the lot. You failed to realize that beneath the surface, beneath the ordinary field was an extraordinary treasure. Because the gospel is not just the answer to every one of your problems. It's the answer to every problem. It's not only the answer to all the world's problems, it's the answer to all the obstacles of the world, all the obstacles of life. Don't miss that. You've got to get past the simplicity and the ordinariness of the gospel. If you're still a little bit timid and a little bit apprehensive as to what I'm talking about, let me show you a verse in the Bible that I think might help you a little bit. Book of 1 Peter. This is what Peter has to say. He says, It was revealed to them, that they were not serving themselves, but you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Now catch this. Don't miss this. Even angels long to look into these things. Even angels long to look into these things. Think of the intellect of angels for a second. Think of the wisdom that angels possess. They've been around for years. They've been around for centuries. And these guys are like, we just keep digging in and digging in and digging in. We can't get enough of the gospel. We never grow indifferent to the story. We never grow apathetic to the story of the gospel. They're always captivated by it. They're, they're never failing to see beauties in it. They're never, ever failing to see amazing things in the gospel. And so that, that tells me one thing. If, if, I'm, if I don't feel that way, then I just haven't dug in yet, that I'm completely walking past the field, that I've completely walked over the lot, that I've failed to see that beneath that ordinary field lies an extraordinary treasure. I think that there's something, I think the angel, I think God's telling us, he's saying, join the angels. 
Join the angels. That's what I want for you. That's my prayer for you. That's my hope for you. Because if, if, if they're doing that, if they're never getting tired of this story, then they must know something that we don't. And that's that we've got to get past the simplicity. We have to get past the ordinariness of the gospel. Now, guys, if you're still thinking, I don't know about this whole conversation of trade-up. I don't know. I'm a little bit timid, a little bit apprehensive and skeptical. If that's you, that I, I encourage you to, to um, keep locking in with us. But I want to share a story with you of a guy who attends the Medina East campus. I want to share a story with you of a man who is able to see that, that beneath the soil, that beneath the ordinary field lied an extraordinary treasure. I want to share a story with you about a man that attends our campus who is able to grab a hold of the magnitude of what trade-up is really all about. He was able to exchange his dream for something bigger. So watch this. My name is Rick Scabuzzo, and uh, I became a believer, a follower of Jesus, when I was 17 years old. I was a senior in high school. Um, I started working for Goodyear uh, right after, uh, pretty much right after I got out of college and uh, had an incredible uh, experience at Goodyear. Had the chance to work in uh, a whole variety of different jobs, 14 or 15 different jobs throughout the 30 years that I was there. And I had an opportunity to, to step into to a leadership role about halfway through my 30 years there and, and spent about uh, 15 years in, uh, in various different leadership roles. And uh, actually when I reached my um, 30 year anniversary date, it was actually on that very day that I went into my boss's office and told him that I was gonna be retiring from, from Goodyear and, uh, and going to work for a church full time. The first thing my boss said to me was that he wished he could do the same thing, which kind of surprised me. He's a believer, and uh, he understood the idea of, of uh, you know, going to work uh, in a place where you can pursue your passion and give yourself to something that's kind of bigger than yourself. Some people thought I was crazy and told me that I was crazy for making a choice like that. Who leaves a big corporate job and goes to work for a church? Nobody does that. You know, and then there were people who just thought I was nuts making that choice were almost embarrassed to be around me because I, you know, had made that made a choice to leave a big corporate job and, and go to work uh, at a church. In a lot of ways, when I when I think about making that choice, there are a number of things that kind of went through my mind as I was choosing to, to, to make this big shift. But for sure, one of them was looking around and seeing my peers at Goodyear who were kind of in the same age category as me and realizing that a lot of what, what folks were doing at, at, at the age, mid-50s, as they're kind of coming, begin to see the end of a corporate career, they're beginning to lining up their lives to be just really, really comfortable. You know, buying, you know, fancy uh, retirement homes and exotic places and uh, kind of preparing themselves for just coasting for the, for the last years of their lives. And, uh, you know, that idea just didn't appeal to me at all. And the idea of, of kind of pouring myself into to, to, a, to a purpose and, and, and to an area of life that would be uh, more meaningful than just just playing golf all day long is just struck me as, you know, that's how I wanted to spend the rest of my life, was pouring myself into, into something that I'm passionate about. And what I'm passionate about is seeing the gospel of Jesus Christ transform lives. And I would say there are no regrets. I've never looked back. I think this is, a, this is an absolute blast. I love working for a purpose that's bigger than myself. I think all of us who are 
followers of Jesus need, need to be pursuing Him and chasing Him for sure. Probably the most important thing you can think about is impacting the world with the message of the gospel right where you are, you know, in the job that you're in or the school that you're in or whatever environment you're in. Pursue um, advancing the gospel right where you are right now. Guys, Rick's story is so encouraging to me. I hope that it's encouraging to you. Here's a guy who is able to see beneath the soil, the seed that beneath the ordinary field lied an extraordinary treasure. And that's what I want for you guys. That's what I want for you. And it it may not look the same way for you. Trading up for you, maybe if you're a young college student, trading up for you is going to look totally different than Rick Scavuzzo. Maybe for you, it's, it's deciding, being willing to submit your sexuality to Jesus Christ. And I just want, I just want you to know that if, if that's, if you're going to trade up, regardless of how you trade up, you're going to have to be, you're going to have to prepare yourself to look foolish. You're just going to have to prepare yourself because the world's not going to understand it. People are going to look at that and they're not going to be able to see beneath the soil. They're not going to be able to see that beneath the ordinary field lies an extraordinary treasure. Maybe for some of you, for you, trading up looks like turning down a job promotion so that you can invest more time into your family. I don't know what it looks like, but you do. You do. And if if you follow Jesus Christ, he calls us to make these bold leaps of faith to follow in pursuit of him and in pursuit of his kingdom. And that's what I want for you. That's what I want for Medina. That's what I want for our community, that we would be willing to exchange our dreams for something bigger. And so just keep thinking about what that could look like to trade up. When you think about the ordinariness and the simplicity of the gospel, if you, just, if you just think of the person of Jesus Christ, I mean, just think of Jesus for a second. He was a guy who lived a life of ordinariness and simplicity, if you really think about it. The first 30 years of Jesus' life was a life of obscurity, swinging a hammer away with his dad, Carpenter. And this is this a guy, he was, he was born um, under the Virgin Mary, and, uh, you know, he, he was just, he was just a, a normal guy, right? But... I mean, that's face value, right? That's, if we don't look beneath the surface of externals and superficials, then we're going to fail to see that Jesus really was the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He's the, the living water. He is the alpha and the omega. You see how that works? That's how the kingdom of God works. If we can't get past the simplicity and the ordinariness of the gospel, then we're never going to be able to trade up. We're never going to be able to, to, to do what God is calling us to do, to live the dream that God wants for our lives. And so again, maybe for you, it doesn't, it doesn't look like anything that, that Rick did, but maybe for you, if, if you're a young college student, it could look one way. If you're, if you're a mom or a dad, it could look a totally different way. I don't know what it is for you, but I would encourage you to, to really ponder that and to really pray about that and, and to really be willing to, to live a life in pursuit of the gospel and the mission in, in some way. If you forget everything that I say throughout this entire series, remember this, that beneath the ordinary field lies an extraordinary treasure. And I want to send you guys on a treasure hunt, kind of a spiritual treasure hunt. If you're somebody who's been coming to our campus and you're not really sure about Jesus, you're kind of investigating Jesus in the gospel, I would encourage you to go out into our cafe. Before you leave here today, you'll notice that on our slat wall that we have a... uh, We have a wall with these life group cards. And I just would encourage you to to walk up, grab one of these cards, email one of these people sometime this week, and and attend one of those life groups. And if you do that, you're going to come to find 
that if you can get past externals, if you can get past superficials, you're going to realize that there's some spiritual treasure there. And there's people that, that love you, that want to embrace you. And that's just one thing you can do this week to, to, to be able to dig deeper, to look beneath the soil, that beneath the ordinary field, there's extraordinary treasure. And if you're somebody who claims to be a follower of Christ, then I would encourage you to maybe just pick up the phone and call somebody or text sometime this week. And, and say, hey, I want to meet up for coffee. I want to meet up for lunch. And you don't have to trick them or do anything weird like that. But just say, hey, what are, what are you and your family doing for Christmas Eve? Why don't you come to my church? We're, we're going through the series called The Thrill of Hope. I think you'd really like it. It's just one thing you can do this week to help people dig deeper. So, guys, I, want, I just want to ask the band to come up now. And as they do, I just want you to imagine with me, guys. Imagine what this could look like if this became a reality in our lives. If we would be willing to tell our dreams to take a back seat. If we would be open to the possibility that our dreams are too small. Just imagine with me, what, what would that look like in your family? What would that look like at your workplace? What would that look like on your college campus if we'd be willing to trade up our dreams for bigger things? I just want to encourage you to think about that. I think it's really worth pondering. And I think it's something worth trading up for. And that's something that I, I would love for you, for your life. And I think that's something that God wants for you too. And so again, if you forget everything that I said throughout this whole entire series, then just remember this, that beneath the ordinary field lies an extraordinary treasure. Let me pray for us. Well, God, I just want to say thank you for the people in this room here this morning. God, thank you that our lives are not random. Uh, Lord, thank you that you have strategically and sovereignly placed us in our sphere of influence with the people that we are interacting with at our jobs. Um, God, thank you for uh, everybody here, God, and just the, whatever dream that you have put on their heart, whatever end goal or aspiration that they, they desire, God, I ask that it would be uh, rooted in the dream that you have for their life. And uh, God, I just ask that you would... You would uh, Help people to make that bold step of faith in pursuit of your kingdom, in pursuit of following you, God. Help us to get past the simplicity and the ordinariness of the gospel. Help us to see that beneath the soil, that beneath that ordinary field lies an extraordinary treasure, God. And it's, it's worth trading up for. It's worth trading up for. God, I ask that you would uh, just lead us and guide us as we leave here today, God, and help us to keep that on the forefront of our minds, God, that we can help others dig beneath the soil, dig beneath the ordinary field, and find the extraordinary treasure that you have for us, God. You desire the, the person, like the, the merchant, that is deliberately searching and seeking, soul-searching for you, as well as somebody who just happens to stumble across it by chance, God. You desire the spiritual seeker, as well as the apathetic atheist, to come and inherit the kingdom, God. So we just ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.